Christ, Dimitris, Nostris, Libros Deus, Nostris, Nomine Patsi, et Fili, et Petus Santi. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We have often heard that Advent is a time for conversion, a time for preparing ourselves for the coming of uh, the Lord. And therefore, that exhortation that we get from St. John the Baptist, prepare the way of the Lord. So in our prayer today, we can ask ourselves, well, how is that going to happen? How am I actually going to prepare the way for the Lord? Because we have arrived here in our day of recollection to hear today what God has to say for to us what does he want to tell us but for him to be able to speak we have to listen we and we kind of have to clear the land we have to clear the land so that that he can speak you've all heard of this famous mystic uh, from the 16th century saint john of the cross who was the spiritual director of St. Teresa of uh, Avila. He wrote uh, a famous book called The Ascent to Mount Carmel, and then even wrote a commentary of, I don't know how many pages, on that book of his. And it uh, has become a classic in spiritual literature, but also for uh, historians of uh, literature, in and of itself, it's considered a great classic. And in that book, The Ascent to Mount Carmel, he gives that image of this strenuous climb towards God. He talks about the dark night of the soul, for example, and but as though as though moving to God is like a it's like an ascent up a very steep mountain. And of course, there's some truth to that, uh, the idea that we have to live in a ascetical struggle and that we have to fight against our own tendencies. And that's true in a certain way, that God is in a certain way up a mountain. And uh, you know, Moses went up the mountain to be with God. But, but really, the Bible also tells us about a more fundamental truth and that is that God's grace always comes down to us. It's not so much that we have to climb a mountain, but that indeed God, God's grace invades us and comes to us. Like the angel that we saw in the last meditation who came to Mary and entered her house. She did not have to, she didn't have to go to the temple like Zechariah did, who six months before in this solemn liturgy in the temple had to go, and there he saw God. No, God enters her lowly home, but 
she is ready. She is ready largely because God has prepared her through her immaculate conception. She had been already conceived. She is ready. She has cleared the ground. So in this recollection, we have to imagine that now your task is to clear the ground, kind of like clearing the ground for the helicopter to land. Like those scenes in these Vietnam movies, like Francis Ford Coppola's movies, where there's all this dust being raised up and, and, uh, and the wind is uh, rustling the leaves as the, this massive helicopter lands in an area in the, in the jungle where there are fallen soldiers and drill sergeants clearing the path so that this helicopter can land to save their comrades who are, who are injured. The helicopter can't just land in the midst of trees and, and, and brush. It needs to go into an area that is cleared. And if there's too much brush, it, it won't land. And uh, all these men have to make all that effort to find a good place for the helicopter to land. Because that helicopter will save their comrades and indeed will save them. So during this recollection, we have to imagine that the helicopter is coming in to give us assistance and take us to a safer place, just like those soldiers. And knowing that our Lord is near, that He's coming to seek us out, this has to stir up within us and within our soul a desire to prepare our heart for a new conversion. It's always the sound of the, of the helicopter blades chopping in the air that gives this ominous sound, this ominous feeling to the arrival, but also at the same time a great sense of hope. Somebody has come to save us. And that's why St. John the Baptist repeats, make straight his paths, or make his paths straight. Clear the ground. Discover, in other words, what has become a little bit twisted in my life? What, where, in which way are the paths not that straight? So that I can remove the obstacles in order to really this Christmas encounter the Lord with joy. But we have to do that. We have to raise our sights with supernatural outlook. The helicopter's coming. You know how, how in those scenes where the helicopter is coming or when they go into the helicopter, they all, everybody always hunkers down. They bow down lest, lest the chopper blades uh, suck them up. I don't know. I don't know why they, you know, they do that. But uh, the gust is very strong, right? I've never had to honestly enter into a helicopter. I don't know what it's like, but uh, uh, I don't know if you have, but uh, it must be pretty cool, you know? But, um, but that, that's what we have to do. We have to get ready for that helicopter at, at coming at Christmas. Take me to a safe place, Lord. That's what we're asking of you now. Pull me up with your grace during this recollection even. Pull me up during this time of, of Advent. Pull me out of my tendencies, my miseries, my complaints, my laziness, 
my attachments, my tendency to put off or to procrastinate those things I don't really like to do. Maybe there's things I don't like to do. I don't like to mortify myself. I don't like to to do certain tasks that I find uh, a little bit a little bit unpleasant. Or maybe I'm putting off uh, talking with somebody. Maybe there's somebody I have to make a fraternal correction with, too. And I'm putting it off. And of course, for all of this, to prepare the way, the Gospel gives us this tremendous figure of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, I don't know if you've ever thought of actually praying to John the Baptist. John the Baptist. I mean, he is is a saint, Saint John the Baptist. Because he had a very special vocation to prepare the way for the Lord. That, That was his vocation. And he, as you, as you know, he's on the cusp between the Old Testament dispensation and the New Testament dispensation. In many ways, he belongs to the Old Testament in the sense that he is he's kind of part of that generation. But at the same time, he serves as a bridge to the new. And he had to be a good and solid bridge to lead people from the old dispensation to the new. And he was leading them to the new and only true mediator, our Lord Jesus Christ. He himself, John, was like, like a well-built bridge that could bridge the gap. I remember years ago when I was in Montreal, we got news that an overpass, I believe it was in the area of Laval, had come crashing down just as a car was going over it there was a couple with uh, their their son and somehow the bridge collapsed just when they were going over it it must have been precisely on the on the verge of falling but anyway they went over it and they went down and it was a big big tragedy and it had to be investigated how is it that they built this who built this you know it was it required a major investigation how could it be that this bridge was not strong enough just to allow this one car to go across. I mean, presumably it was old. I don't know the the story, but it did not hold up. And John the Baptist held up from the very womb of his elderly mother. John was inundated or filled with the Holy Spirit so that he could prepare the manifestation of Jesus to the people. That's, that's what his purpose was. Not to lead people to himself. And that's why he, he decided to live an austere existence, living there in the desert, preparing himself for his mission through solitude, through prayer. He was living in a very mountainous region, some 400 meters below sea level, near the Dead Sea very dry area, very rocky, not much to cultivate there, few people. But as Isaiah said, there is a voice of one crying in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. That passage from Isaiah 40 is quoted in Sunday's Gospel from St. Matthew, a voice of one crying in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. We can picture John now, 
he's doing that preparation just by virtue of the fact that he is dressed very austerely, wearing camel hair and eating locusts and wild honey. Well, I wouldn't mind the wild honey, but uh, I don't know about these locusts. I don't know. I've never tried on camel hair, but doesn't sound too uh, comfortable. And probably it was the same camel hair the whole time, right? So. No, no laundry service for him, right? So it was austere. It was like, ugh. But he probably got completely detached. I mean, maybe, maybe this is an image. Wild locusts and, uh, I mean, and, and, and wild honey. Who knows? Maybe it's just an image. But he, he had enough to survive. So he was probably looking quite emaciated. And he would say, well, I'm doing this because there's one coming after me who is much greater than me. I don't even consider myself worthy to untie his sandal straps. And he is really the first witness to Jesus. And that witness became very powerful because he attracted people. People thought, like, who would live like this? Who would live out there in the desert like that? Like, who would do that? And then he's insisting, it's not, don't come to me. I'm just preparing the way. I'm just a bridge for the one who is to come. How much, um, uh, you know, sense of uh, uh, foreboding he must have caused. Expectation. If this guy is living like this, what's the next guy going to come like that he is promising? St. Matthew, it's interesting, St. Matthew says that he just appeared. He just, boom, out of nowhere, he appeared in a very sudden way on the scene. And if he is dressed like that, if he is living like that in a very mortified way, it was because he was very focused on, on his mission. He was not focused on himself. He was not focused on his comfort. He was focused on his mission he was focused on prayer and focused especially on the joyous preparation of the most important event in human history. Because, remember, he's the bridge. So, that is the bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, he is, it, it was the, clearly the end of an era. It was clearly the end of a, of a time. And, and in fact, St. Luke even emphasizes that this, is, this takes place at a very precise historical moment. It's like St. Luke like, did research. He said it was in the 15th year of the emperor Tiberius. Now, Tiberius was considered the second emperor of, of Rome, or second, and, and he correspond, it would correspond to the 28th year of our era, because when they say he was the 15th year of the Emperor Tiberius, well, it means that they counted time from the foundation of, of Rome. And uh, they always counted time by the, by the reign of the Emperor. So the Emperor was pretty important. And then he says uh, Pontius Pilate was the procurator of Judea. And we know that Pontius Pilate 
was indeed a kind of a governor of that area from 26 to 36 AD. And so like 10 year reign. And he was, we know, he was probably pretty corrupt. But that fact did not stop John from appearing. And it did not stop John from living out his mission. St. Luke also mentions Herod the Tetrarch, or Herod Tetrarch of Galilee. So Galilee is in the northern area, and that's a whole area that used to be in the state of Israel, or the, the, you know, the people of Israel, which had been conquered by the Assyrians in the, uh, in the 8th century, and had been populated largely by, well, by pagans. And that, that was, there were obviously Jews there, but many of those people were also pagans. That's why it's called the, the, the Galilee of the Gentiles. And so the, the tetrarch of that place was this guy, Herod. He's, there are several Herods in, in, the, in, the, in the Bible. This is Herod Antipas. He is the son of Herod the Great. And Herod the Great is the guy who had built the temple in Jerusalem. And so he, this guy, Herod Antipas, had succeeded his father. But he didn't actually become king. He became tetrarch. It's kind of like a lower level king you know it's just like and we know that he died in the year 39 AD and of course he Herod Antipas was the one who had John the Baptist decapitated he's the guy who saw Salome dance right and his brother was Philip who was the tetrarch of another region called Iturea we also know from Luke that the high priest was Annas and Caiaphas. And, um, well, these were just figures. So it just underlines the historical nature of this time. We know that our Lord himself called John the Baptist the greatest among the prophets. The greatest among the prophets. Didn't call, say Isaiah was the greatest of the prophets or Jeremiah or Ezekiel or Daniel was among the four great prophets. But John the Baptist was the greatest among the prophets. Even though he didn't do any great miracles, he didn't write big treatises or big uh, long literature, he just went out into the desert to prepare the way for the Lord. He just lived that austere life. He spoke to people about doing good, being just about prayer. And he really impressed people by his life of penance, by the integrity of his behavior, his authenticity, the very power of his words. I think he didn't say, uh, excuse me, you, uh, um, I'm sorry, but uh, I'm just wondering, I don't want to bother you, but uh, uh, there's, there's a guy coming, uh, he's a nice guy, maybe you want to listen to him. He was a brood of vipers. <laughs> you bunch of idiots. <laughs> he, people were going, what? You know, he was like, really? You know. And uh, he was hard to resist because of his uh, life of penance. Has he convinced you yet to live a life of penance? 
Not that you have to go to the same Raphael girls and say you are brooded vipers, but uh, but somewhere they have to see your detachment, your life of penance. And of course, John the Baptist wants us to long more deeply for the coming of the Lord during Advent, to long for him, to wait, to expect, to hope. That has to be the characteristic attitude that we have to develop. Right now that waiting is seen, well, it's seen by the lights in the streets. You'll see on Bluer Street, you have all these beautiful lights set up, the shop windows, they install lights, they install Christmas trees and cool and expensive stuff that you can buy, but you're not ever going to afford. <laughs> right? With these, uh, this jewelry that they always have to take away at 5 p.m. because somebody's going to steal it, right? Or these uh, Rolex watches that cost who knows how much. I have no idea how much a Rolex watch, but I, I know that they're expensive. And of course, well, good, the, the, the world is filled with great things and nice Rolex watches, but ultimately, there's nothing here below that can truly satisfy us. Nothing. Sometimes, even the best times awaken in us the longing for something that is truly unending. But for some people, this holiday season, maybe that's why, I don't know, they, but it's a bit of a sad period they, because they, they expect so much out of it and now with all the restrictions, they can't visit, they have to stay at home, quiet, and maybe some people will get lonely, maybe depressed. Maybe we can see that part of our task is to is to give a joyful hope, to prepare the way for the Lord. The Lord is still coming, even with all those restrictions. He's coming to our soul. He wants to change us. That's why He has to be joyful. It's not just joyful because, I don't know, we'll imagine that you get a Rolex. Imagine that, you get a Rolex. So ask now for that grace, even among the restrictions, to even feel yourself responsible for the tone in this house, which I know you already do, but to feel responsible, the tone and atmosphere of peace, the tone and atmosphere of beauty, of patience with the defects of others, the limitations of others, patience with your own limitations, patience with ourselves because we have defects, patience with others because they have defects. Let's be like John. Make ready the way for the Lord. And for us, this means, uh, I guess, greater focus on the essential, that he is coming and we are not alone in this world. Jesus loves us. He is our mediator. And he's coming now as a simple baby, innocent, vulnerable, so that we can love him more. That beautiful hymn, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. O come. And of course, when he came, Jesus, John the Baptist said, I have baptized you with water. But he 
will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You think, I'm doing something? Well, he's going to do something way more. More than a teacher that bears witness to the the life of God. Jesus is God. And he can dip you into the very life of God. He can truly make you live a divine life. And, well, we look, of course, also to the Blessed Virgin Mary. She didn't have the same role as John the Baptist, who prepared the way for the Lord, but she is also expecting, and she must have wondered how the Lord would be. She did not have to agonize over his name that was given to her by the angel. That was clear. You shall call him Jesus. Imagine she must have gone over the words of the angel over and over in her mind when the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never end. This is what we have to dream about now. And we ask this of our Blessed Mother now, that she give us that same hope, especially a spirit of preparation now during this time of Advent. It's a, it's a key moment that, that will be, of course, filled with grace. That's why it's a time of, of penance and preparation to let the proverbial helicopter come down who will take us away to be with God. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.